Greet each of you again this afternoon. Words open here to Psalm 91. Psalm 91, verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation." There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him." I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Let's sing hymn number 244 together. Let's pray together. Our great and almighty God, we are thankful that we can come before thee again, Father. Father, there is such a great comfort in being able to come before thee, to enter into thy presence through prayer, to have our minds lifted up to that higher realm, Father, where thou dost dwell, Be able to come before thee, Father, knowing that all power belongeth unto thee. There is absolutely nothing that thou dost not know. There is nothing, Lord, that thou canst not do. Thou hast all power, all knowledge, all ability. And we come before thee, Father, so many times with such weak prayers, not hardly even knowing what to ask or to pray. But Father, I pray here in this afternoon hour, we pray that thy Holy Spirit would come here into our midst. We pray this every Sunday, Father. And it would be our prayer again here this afternoon that thy Holy Spirit would come here into our midst and teach us and speak to us. It is one thing, Father, for us to gather and if one of us would be missing, 
we could we could think upon that person, we could talk about that person, we could miss that person. And there is a measure of comfort even in that. But how much greater, Father, when that person is in our midst. Father, I just pray, we pray, that thy spirit then would be here in our midst. That we might know him, that we might dwell here with him, that he might dwell here with us. That he would speak plainly to us, that we would learn from him. That he would look into our hearts and see what is needful. But Father, we're reminded that he is a Holy Spirit. and He will not inhabit the heart that is filled with iniquity. He will not dwell in the presence of sin. He will not be comfortable in the midst of hypocrites. He will not dwell there in those places. We wonder, Father, why sometimes it can feel dry in our hearts, why it can feel dry in our gatherings, why it can feel dry in our fellowship and conversation, why it's not lively, why it's not why there's not life there or spirit there or fire there. And as we were reminded this morning, Father, maybe it's because there's something in our hearts yet that's not right with thee. And in thy mercy thou dost hold back. So may we pay attention, Father. We do not want to say that Thou hast been with us here at the close of this day if thou hast not been. We want to be chastised if that is the case, Father. But, oh, Father, we pray, please be merciful to us. It is our desire to have thee in our midst. Father, we know that there is another one that would also desire to be in our midst, and we have felt his, the warfare that he brings into our lives in this past week. And we pray that thou would rebuke that unclean spirit, that spirit of the evil one, the spirit of the devil. For we know, Lord, that he is withstanding thy children even today, as he has in the past, he is today doing the same thing. And we have felt that warfare in this past week. Father, we come before thee here, not in our strength, but in our weakness, praying and pleading, protect us from him, that thy word would not be stolen out of our hearts here today, as we pray every Sunday. Almost, Father, every Sunday we pray and plead that That would protect us from the thief, from the destroyer, from the one who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. God, it's not our desire to leave this place the same. We want to leave this place different, according to thy will. So come and touch our hearts, we pray. We do not know where thy word will open, but we know that it is thy word And we know that thy word has power to speak to us. And I pray, Lord, specifically that my weaknesses would not stand in the way of thy spirit being able to move and speak through thy word to us clearly. Do not let my weaknesses get in the way, Father, for I feel them very, very greatly right now. Just pray that thy will would be done. Pray that thy name would be glorified. I pray that our souls and our spirits would be touched. In Jesus' name, amen.
open to the words opened here to the book of First Thessalonians. And I have chapters three, four, and five in front of me. I'm going to read here from First Thessalonians chapter four. I'm going, to, I'm going to start in chapter 4 and may go into chapter 5. Probably will go into chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's begin reading at verse uh, 13. First Thessalonians 4.13, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as you also do. I'm going to just end reading there. Verse 11. Sometimes when I stand up here and I read and I read this, I, I sometimes wonder, what am I going to say? And then sometimes I wonder, I have so many different thoughts going in through my mind, I wonder, what am I going to say? How, how, how is this all going to pull together and where do I start at? It's kind of how I feel right now. Sometimes it feels kind of hard to get started. It feels kind of hard to get it, get it going. And sometimes it takes so long to get to the actual point. We think we lose everybody before we ever even get to the actual point of what we're trying to say. And maybe we have some room to grow in that. But my, my thoughts are going all over the place.
So I'll try to dive in here. I guess just so you know where my thoughts are mainly centered on right now. This past week, I was, I was, uh, I shared this Bible study Thursday night with the, the few of us that gathered. But I was laying in bed on, uh, I woke up, I forget even what morning it was. Hadn't been thinking about it. But my, I woke up and the thought struck me. The thought struck me. I thought about the mark of the beast. You think, well, how did you get to the mark of the beast on these chapters that we read? But I'll try to get to that point. But I woke up that morning and I, and I, I had the thought, this thought struck me about the mark of the beast. It says there in Revelations that the time is going to come when he requires everyone, both small and great, rich and poor, everyone on the whole face of the earth to receive a mark either in their forehead or in the, their hand. And I don't think I'm the only one here, in fact, I know I'm not the only one here, who has been raised up with the idea that the mark of the beast is directly connected with... Um, a, a global economy or a, a one-world currency. What I mean by that, we, we, I have been taught over and over that one thing to, to watch for is a one-world currency, that when there's a one-world currency, that will usher in this mark of the beast because it says that we won't be able to buy or sell or trade except we have that mark in our hand. And so naturally, we connect that to finances, and the time will come when we won't have access to that currency, and therefore we'll not take that mark and, and so forth and so on. The thought that hit me the other morning when I woke up, and I shared this on Thursday night, is that it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that in Revelations, that there will be a one-world currency. It doesn't say that it's directly tied into a global economy. All it says is that if we don't have that mark, we won't be able to buy or sell or trade. And in the light of the day and time that we're in, with uh, vaccinations and things like that, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not speaking conspiratorial. I'm not wanting to add any of my own imagination. I'm just simply saying that that day of not being able to buy or sell or trade unless we have a mark does not require a lot of imagination. It's, it's somewhat feasible in the day and time that we're in, irregardless of a one-world currency. We may not be able to buy, sell, or trade, regardless of whether we have a one-world currency. It might just simply be because we haven't been vaccinated down the road. I'm not trying to be an alarmist. I'm not trying to speak in a fanatic Way. I'm just simply saying we need to be careful because it doesn't say that it's directly connected to a one-world currency. We assume a lot of things. I'm not going there right now in this, with this message of speaking about the mark of the beast necessarily. But my thoughts developed from there, and the thought that struck me after that thought is that the time in history that we are in, I could certainly believe that the next step in the next phase that we, I believe, will be entering into. If I understand the scriptures correctly, if I understand 
prophecy at all correctly, which I might be off. There are so many commentaries out there, and I'm not going for many commentaries right now. I, in fact, I would encourage all of us, don't read a commentary on end times. Don't read a commentary on, just stay off of that. There are so many thoughts out there, it'll tie you all up and you won't know up from down, left from right, but you'll walk away from it all thoroughly confused and unsettled and fearful and worried and, and all that. But if I do understand prophecy correctly, I believe that the next phase that we'll begin to see, that we can expect to see, is, is, is things of an apocalyptic, cataclysmic level. I really believe we're going to see things that are absolutely catastrophic in their magnitude. I don't know when. I'm not saying when. But I believe that that time is, is, could be quickly upon us. Earthquakes and destruction on a magnitude and on a level that is beyond our comprehension. Death on a level that we cannot begin to comprehend. A fourth of the world, it says. Stars falling from heaven. Now, if you ask me to explain what all that means, I tell you I won't be able to tell you what all that means. But all I know is, is that there's prophecies in the Scriptures, and just like every other prophecy of the Scripture that has been fulfilled, we will see these things fulfilled. Maybe it won't be in our time and generation, but the time is coming. When in a, in a, cataclysmic, a cataclysmic, catastrophic, apocalyptic way... Humanity is going to see destruction on a level that is, up to this time, never been experienced. The sun being darkened, the moon being darkened, stars falling from earthquakes of a magnitude that is going to level the mountains and shake the islands, and it's going to, every wall is going to fall. Death is going to be everywhere. And it says that the wrath of God is going to be poured out in seven different vials. There's going to be a grievous sore that's going to be cast upon the earth, those that receive the mark, and they're going to be tormented, and they're going to be seek after death, and they're not going to be able to find it. Fire is going to come down and burn up men. There's going to be drought. There's going to be pestilence. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars persecutions, tribulations. All these things are kind of come upon the face of the earth. And we sing that song, Oh, my loving brother, when the world's on fire. Don't you want God's bosom for to be your pillow? Hide me over in the rock of ages. Rock of ages cleft for me. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. The Lord told us, he says, pray always that you might be counted worthy to escape all these things that are coming upon the face of the earth. For as a snare, 
it shall come upon the face of the earth. Oh, my loving brother, when the world's on fire, don't you want God's bosom for to be your pillow? Psalm 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. But are you praying it? Do you really believe that there is this cataclysmic catastrophe that's coming upon the face of the earth that's being hurled in our direction? It's just the sheer mercy of God that's holding back like a giant flood, like a giant deluge. And that wrath of God that's just being stored up and it's being stored up and it's being stored up and has a great dam that goes across that thing and the, the floodwaters are just rising up higher and higher and higher. And the time of that, of that breaking forth of the wrath of God, it's just the sheer mercy of God that's holding it back, saying not yet. But the day is coming when the angels of the Lord are going to say, Lord, the time is ripe. The earth is ripe with its wickedness. Thrust in your sickle. Aren't we going to want him to cover us with his feathers? And under his wings? Aren't we going to want to be really close? Aren't we going to want to be nestled up there? Under the almighty, the feathers of the almighty God? Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, for the destruction, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. I told you my thoughts were going all over. And when I read that chapter there, Psalm 91, and I saw that verse, that snare, there was another verse that struck me. There was another verse that came to my mind. We've heard what a snare is. Uh, Sam has shared about a snare. And I can't, I, I, I think about that snare so many times. Are you praying that every day, Lord, that we might be counted worthy to escape all these things that are coming upon the face of the earth, for as a snare, it says, as a snare, it's coming upon the face of the earth. The time is drawing nearer and nearer and nearer, and we see all the signs of the times all the way around us. And we get callous to it, and we get, we get used to it, and we say the world's a horrible place, and we say it's a terrible place, and the world's falling apart, and don't they know and yet we just kind of go on and go on and go on and we expect another year to come and go and we don't know that. And there are going to be billions of people utterly caught and snared in total surprise 
have no idea what's going on. Fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. And this great fear falling upon the land where it says men are going to try to hide themselves in the the dens. We, We read about it this morning where it was in the days of the Midianites where the Jews made dens and places to hide in the caves so they could hide. My thoughts went, there's going to be another day where the kings of the earth, the kings of the earth are going to try to hide down there in those caves and in the cloughs of those rocks, and they're going to try to escape, not hiding on that, that pillow of God, the bosom of God, but they're going to try to hide from the wrath of God that's coming upon the face of the earth. And as a snare, it's coming, it says. My thoughts went here to Isaiah 24. Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty. He maketh it empty, and maketh it waste, and turneth it upside down, and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. And it shall be as with the people, so with the priest, as with the servant, so with his master, as with the maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the taker of usury, so with the giver of usury to him. The land shall be utterly emptied. It's going to be emptied. 7.8 billion people on the face of the earth right now going to be empty. The land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled, for the Lord has spoken this word. The earth mourneth and fadeth away. The world languisheth and fadeth away. The haughty people of the earth do languish. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof because, pay attention to this, because they've transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore hath the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men left. Go with me over to verse 17. Fear and the pit and the snare are upon thee, O inhabitant of the earth. And it shall come to pass that he who fleeth from the noise of the fear shall fall into the pit. Picture this in your minds. This great noise, and they're, and they're fearful, and they're running away. This, this horrible fear. They flee from the noise of the fear. They, they fall into this pit. They fall down this pit, and they start coming up. And he that cometh up out of the midst of the pit shall be taken in the snare. They fall down into this pit trying to run away, and then they're crawling out of this pit, and there's the snare, and it rings around their neck. And there's no getting out of that snare. There's no coming out of that place of destruction. Why? The windows from on high are open, and the foundations of the earth do shake. The windows from on high are open. You know where else it says that? You know where else it says that the windows of high were open? Right there in Noah's flood, the windows of high were opened, and the floods came. 
But it says there that the inhabitants of the earth are burned and few men left. And Peter, we read that knowing therefore their brethren, that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought you to be in all manner of holy conversation? How ought you to be then, knowing that the, the, this earth is not, it's not going to be flooded with a flood of fire any longer, but it's going to come with a flood of, or with a flood of water, but with a flood of fire. But that flood of fire is coming, and it says there in Isaiah 24 that the men are going to be burned up, and there's going to be few left, and there's going to be men hiding in the mountains, hiding in the caves, trying to find a cooler place, I believe, trying to get out of the heat. We think back there on Noah's day, and it says, As in the days of Noah, so shall it be that when the coming of the Son of Man returns. They were eating, and they were drinking, and they were giving themselves in marriage, and they're carrying on. It says that men began to multiply and fill the face of the earth. We will look last night when my mother-in-law was born, 1959. I hope she doesn't mind me saying that. 1959, she was born. There was three, mil three billion people on the face of the earth in 1959. And by 1999... There was over 6 billion people, if I recall correctly. And today there's 7.8 billion. Men are beginning to multiply and fill the face of the earth, as in the days of Noah. And there stood righteous Noah, a man that was perfect before God. And he was proclaiming to this wicked world that the world is going to be drowned in a deluge. It's going to be drowned in a flood. That God is going to destroy this place. And they can mock and they say, no, we've never seen a raindrop. I shared this with my children the other night. We've never seen a, a cloud. We don't know what thunder is. We haven't seen lightning. What are you talking about, Noah? What are you talking about, man of God who stands up there on the pulpit and preaches there's going to be a fire come that's going to devour the earth? We've never seen fire fall from the sky. And there they sat there and they mocked him. And for 100 years, he built that ark. For 100 years, he built that ark. And I told my children the other day, can you imagine what that was like? Seeing this crazy man out here cutting down trees and building something so big they've never, they couldn't even comprehend it for something they couldn't even comprehend what was coming. There's going to be a flood? What's a flood? Noah? You think Noah could tell him every detail about it? I don't think he could. All he knew was, is God said, build an ark. I'm going to destroy this place. And they laughed and they mocked. Imagine what it was like one day to see these animals start coming down the way. They start seeing these crazy creatures show up. And they don't even know what they probably are. Two by two, pairs of sevens, showing up, walking up this crazy man Noah, walking into this big old ship that he's building or whatever it is. They don't know what it is. They've never seen anything like it before. What's going on here? Signs of the times. Open your eyes, people. This isn't normal. Look around. Wake up. It's not time to be sleeping, as we read there in Thessalonians. Don't you know that we're children of the day? This isn't, this isn't normal. There's animals showing up, getting on the ark. Weird, they probably said. Odd. Strange. As they see these things happening today, it says the sea and the waves roaring, tidal wave, 100 foot tall or 30 foot tall, 100, traveling what, 500 mile an hour, they say, because there is an earthquake, 9.0 whatever, 9 Richter scale out there in the middle of the ocean, tidal wave so big that comes through and destroys, kills 100,000 people, 
Strange, odd, weird. Open your eyes, people. The Lord said there's the sea and the waves are going to be roaring. And here comes the animals, and they're walking up on this ship. And Noah says, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the time's getting close. I'm telling you, you better be awake. I'm telling you, there's time to still come here on the ark. Come on onto the ark. Come on to the ark. Ah, they mocked. They scoffed. A flood, really. Imagine what that was like to see that big door and these only eight people going to the ark, sealed up in there with those animals. The door gets shut. Imagine what it was like suddenly to see a cloud. Sky gets dark. And for the first time in their life, they hear thunder. We think about these cataclysmic, these catastrophic, these apocalyptic events that are coming and forecasted and foretold and prophesied that are coming upon the face of the earth. And just because no one can gather what that actually is doesn't mean that it's not coming. They'd never seen a cloud before. They never heard thunder before. I'm guessing. I don't know for sure, but I'm thinking they probably never had. And suddenly in the eastern sky there or the western sky or the north, wherever the clouds came up at that point in time, it's dark. And they're thinking, what's going on here? And they're looking up there in the sky, and they're hearing the thunder, and they're, hearing, and they're seeing lightning, and they're starting to be terrified, and the kids are tugging there at their clothes, and they're getting nervous. Maybe we ought to go inside. Before they get inside, the raindrops start coming down on their face, and they're, they're, now they're absolutely horrified. What are they going to do now? They run into the house, and they hear the deluge start pouring down because the windows of heaven are opened. And the floods are opened down and it's crashing down now upon the roof and they're hearing this loud torrent of rain that's pouring down and they're thinking, why didn't we listen to Noah? Why didn't we listen to Noah? Why didn't we get on that boat with Noah? It's too late. It's too late. Water start coming over the threshold of the door. They're standing in it ankle deep. Kids are crying. So loud they can't even talk, they got to shout because the windows of heaven are open. The wrath of God is being poured out. It's coming. It's coming. The wrath of God is going to be poured out. The windows of heaven are open, and they're, now they're in their knees. They're standing up on their tables, they're standing up on their chairs. The children are screaming. Mom can't hold all four of them, all five of them, all six of them. They're standing up on the table, they're, they're trying to get to the top of the timbers there, trying to go a little higher. They can't stand in the, in the room anymore. They're up on the roof now, and it's pouring down, and they're, it's coming down so hard they can't even hardly see the next neighbor next door. And there they are up there on that roof, and it's not stopping. It's not stopping for 40 days and 40 nights. That water's coming up higher, and it's coming up higher, and it's coming up higher. They're climbing into the trees. They're holding on to the trees. Children are getting sucked away by the torrents. Mama's screaming. Daddy's weeping. Why didn't we listen to Noah? Why didn't we listen to Noah? The next thing that's coming, it's a flood of fire. I don't know what that's going to be like. I like to use my imagination sometimes. I don't know. I said the other night, shared it with my children. What's that going to be like? Going to hit a day, 130 degrees out, last for a week? It's hot. 
135, how much higher this go? 140, kings of the earth, hiding in the caves, got to get out of this heat. Things starting to self-combust. Fires in the, in the woods getting burned up. It's what it says. A third of the tree is going to be burned up. Grass going to be gone, going to be burned up. As we read there in Isaiah 20, 24, it's going to be burned up. Men of the earth burned up. Why? Because they're covenant breakers. They've broken the covenant of God. And they deserve the wrath of God. It's going to be poured out upon them. The temperature rising. The raindrops are falling. And they're saying, what's going on here? The temperature is getting so hot. What's happening? I'll tell you what's happening. The wrath of God is coming and the earth is going to be burned up. Men hiding in their homes, dying of heat exhaustion. Oh. What will it be like? What will it be like when the wrath of God begins to be poured out? But that's the next thing, I believe. I don't know the very next thing, but when I look at Israel and I see they're a nation now again for how many years, we look at all the prophecies that have already been fulfilled, that have already taken place. Brethren, the next thing, we're going to start seeing some terrible things, I believe. I really believe that. I go back there to Psalm 91. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation." There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. You building that ark? Are you wasting time? I don't think Noah had any days to waste. It took him a hundred years. Are you finding your refuge in God, that refuge that he's given to us? Do we find him as that rock and as that refuge and as that ark? I'll finish up here. For the Lord himself, we read here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'm getting back now around to chapter 4 and 5. I've been kind of all over the place, haven't I? My thoughts went all over. Going back here to our reading here. And, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. 
and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then what does it say? Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Can that be a comfort for you? Are you afraid of the wrath of God? Are you afraid of the fire of God? Are you afraid of the things that I talked about? Or when we think about the Lord returning, are we just excited about that? Are we thankful for his glorious plan of salvation? Have we, as we read there in Psalm 91, have we found him to be that secret place, that secret place of the Most High shall abide? He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You know, they've got these devices. Why do you go in the, in the shade? You go in the shade because of the heat, right? And when that heat comes, where do you go? You want to go into the shade. They've made things for construction workers, places like Louisiana and these places that have 100% humidity and temperatures that are just horrible. You can only work out in that heat for about a half hour. And then OSHA requires you to back off and rest at a half hour. But they found out that if they just get you in the shade, they can just put up a sunscreen, a shade over you, get a little air movement. You don't have to do that. You can just keep on going. You can just keep on going. Keep on working as long as you're in the shade. I'm telling you the fire's coming, the heat's coming. If you don't dwell in the presence of the Most High under the shadow of the Almighty, you're going to get burned up. There's no way around it. You're going to get burned up. You're going to get burnt out. You're going to be destroyed. But for those of us who have found that refuge in that place, that rock, that ark, we're going to be delivered from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He's going to cover us with the shadow and the shadow of his wings, with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. He's going to put a shield and a buckler there, and we're not going to be afraid. It says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Can you be comforted in that? Or do you feel horrified at the coming wrath of God, the flood of fire that is coming, 